Hello everybody, good to be back. Uh, we are uh, continuing our uh, journey towards development of a, of, a, of a campaign and we completed two important steps, the creation of objective and we also last week focused on the development of the campaign message. So what we're going to focus on now is skills for digital tools and I added one more O here and one less S so <laughs> I have to fix this <laughs> title but uh, we're going to talk about skills for digital tools uh, meaning that we're going to go to the next uh, step in the campaign uh, development and just to recap uh, what we talked about uh, in our campaign development, and this is what we're going to have at the end as, a, as our campaign plan, is four elements. First one was the objective. What do we want to achieve with the campaign? What is the objective of the campaign? And uh, for development of the objective, if you remember, we use the SMART criteria, meaning that the campaign objective needs to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and timely. And uh, last week we focused on the campaign message, meaning we answered the question, what do we say in the campaign? Uh, under the campaign message, we looked at the spectrum of allies, meaning we looked at different groups, uh, both formal and informal social groups, and their relationship to us and to our campaign and what they might be doing in the campaign. Uh, some opposing it, some supporting it, some being neutral. And this we did under the spectrum of allies. And then we developed the, the analysis for, of, of these uh, groups to create tailored messages for each of those groups. And we did that using the message box tool where we analyzed uh, the conceptions, misconceptions, and, and, and other thoughts we may have, we might have about them, and they might have about us, and what do we would like, what we would like them to think uh, about the campaign we're doing. So, so we, by, by developing these two elements, we actually uh, have completed the, the, uh, let's call it the groundwork for 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 the next step which is actually answering the question what do we do and this brings us to 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 tactics and uh, because we are in a very specific environment talking about very specific kind of campaign we're talking about digital campaigns we're talking about online campaigns mostly we're going to focus on online tools and digital tools and how these digital tools can help us uh, uh, disseminate our message. And then next week we're going to talk about organization and resources that are necessary to pull up the campaign. But now we're going to talk about tactics. So let me first spend a few minutes and I'm going to really, uh, how shall I say, uh, try to be very brief about this. Uh, there are all kinds of different tactics that can be used in in, in uh, human rights campaigns. And uh, one of the classifications that, that I put here 
is the Gene Sharp classification of tactics, where he, I'm sorry, Gene uh, uh, Sharp actually uh, distinguishes three basic uh, uh, groups of tactics. First group is nonviolent process and persuasion, where you are actually communicating the, the grievances to a wider audience, protesting them and trying to persuade either other people to join or or supporters of the regime to, to change their mind. Another uh, uh, classification that he uses is non-cooperation, which is which are tactics where you don't cooperate with the opponent. And then the third group of tactics he uses is nonviolent intervention, where you are actually uh, uh, disturbing the status quo by your tactics. These are uh, different uh, sit-ins and, and protests and demonstrations and blockades. But the, the problem with this classification is that this is an academic thing. So, so we can classify tactics using this classification once everything is over. So this is the problem of, of uh, uh, academic classification. So we're going to forget it. So I just mentioned it. You can you can look it up in Jim Sharp's work. Some, some of that is already on Savannah's library. So it is good to know that. But we don't, we're not going to we're not going to use that. So another way to classify tactics is to classify them by, by the outcome. So we can say that they are capacity building tactics. These are tactics that help you uh, build the strength of your campaign like meetings, recruiting new people, fraternizing, fundraising, etc., etc. Then there are communication tactics. These are tactics which allow you to, to spread the message. These are speeches, leaflets, posters, newspapers, slogans, etc., etc. And then there are tactics that help you mobilize citizens around the goal of the campaign. These are strikes, boycotts marches, blockades, etc. So, so this is a bit more useful because here you're looking at tactics uh, uh, based on the outcome you want to you want to achieve. But there are other ways to classify tactics. You know, you can classify tactics by uh, looking at the density of the of the of the tactics. You can have tactics of concentration and tactics of dispersion, for instance. Being tactics of concentration is where all people gather at one spot. These are rallies, protests, and, and, and things like that. There are tactics of dispersion. This is where everybody is actually conducting a tactic in their own street, in their own uh, uh, neighborhood, uh, all over the, 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 the town or all over the country. Then there are uh, other ways to classify, uh, depending on risk. There are high-risk tactics and low-risk tactics. High-risk meaning that you that people may get hurt or they may get arrested or or be in, in some sort of danger. Low-risk tactics tend to be uh, less risky and therefore may be more suitable for more oppressive environment. So there, this is the other way to, to, to classify tactics. And there are many other ways. And, and so what we are going to do is we're going to look at the Internet. So we're going to look at uh, online tactics and offline tactics. And we're also going to look at... Uh, uh, mixed tactics, meaning that there are some tactics that are happening online and offline. So this is going to be uh, our little, how shall I say, focus. We're not going to be talking about uh, other uh, other things for now. 
later we will, but now we're going to look at the online component that can actually uh, help us build a, an online campaign. So, here is the question, and, and I would like uh, you to give me a, 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 a answers, uh, opinions, thoughts on what kind of online tactics are there? What can we do online uh, in a, some sort of a human rights advocacy uh, effort? What are the tactics, online tactics that are available to us? Any thoughts? Uh, you may raise your hand if you wish. And uh, Okay, so we have a few uh, entries here. Twitter, uh, blogs, Facebook, Twitter storms is one of the tactics. I would like to hear more about this, if possible. I would like to learn more about Twitter storms. YouTube is another one, yes. So if we can have one or two more, maybe somebody else has some, some other ideas. And I would really like Google Hangouts, Google Plus Hangouts, that's another one. Okay, so Yes, these are the these are the different uh, uh, tactics that can be done online. I here posted a picture of uh, uh, a protest which took place in Second Life, and uh, Second Life is uh, an online platform where people can create their own avatars. They can make their own little characters and put them in uh, Second Life and uh, there is an artificial world inside that is designed by other people so they can walk the streets, they can go to different parts of the this uh, uh, artificial uh, cyber world. And so, among other things, they can also do public demonstrations. So we, here we have the uh, demonstration against education cuts that happened in Second Life. So this would be an example of purely online tactics. <laughs> but this is not what we are interested in. And as you well put, we're going to be talking about something else. We're not going to be talking about how to organize demonstrations in Second Life. Because what we're interested in is something different. What we're interested in is the connection between online and offline. And that's why we're going to be talking about blogs. We're going to be talking about Twitter. We're going to be talking about Facebook. We're going to be talking about YouTube and uh, maybe about Google+. And uh, we're going to be talking about online tools that can have offline impact. And we're also going to be talking about offline tactics that can have online visibility. So, as you already guessed in, in, the, in the things that you, that you listed in the, in the chat box, we're going to be talking about widely used uh, platforms and widely, widely used uh, uh, tools. And we're going to be talking about blogging. We're going to be talking about photos, videos, and later about some other platforms that can be used. So I would like now if uh, uh, I would like now to move to the next uh, slide, but if there are any questions 
this is the time to, to, to ask them if there are any questions so far regarding tactics, regarding the, the on, online versus offline uh, uh, no, I guess no. Okay. So let's move to specific tools. Okay, so first thing is uh, we're going to talk about blogging. And uh, blogging is probably the the most common and the most widespread use of uh, uh, user generated uh, content on the on the internet. So we used to have uh, websites back in the 90s, which were uh, were up where content was updated by people who knew how to do HTML and who could go in manually and add new web pages, add uh, text, add photos or even video to, to, to these uh, websites and where ordinary users could go in and read uh, these kind of, uh, uh, these kind of websites. And so this is something we, we talked about in the, in the first class when we talk about Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. And one of the biggest revolutions of Web 2.0 is that uh, the content management system, uh, the software that allows people to enter uh, content on the web, became easy to, to use. And uh, it became widely used by ordinary ordinary people. So there was no need for a user to know HTML or to know how to how to program, they they could actually use one of these tools and and uh, and enter content. So blogs, as uh, just to define them, but I'm I'm sure that uh, that uh, everybody knows blogs are uh, either uh, they're also called web blogs, and blog is uh, uh, just a shorter name for that. They consist of entries or blog posts, as they're called, that are in reverse chronological order, meaning that the most recent posts appear first. So when you go to a blog, you will see the latest uh, post on top, and then older posts are going to be as you, as you scroll down. And uh, they have uh, one author, or more recently, uh, there has been a trend for so-called multi-author blogs, uh, where, which are blogs which have several authors. And uh, they share a blog and they contribute. They usually share the same theme, and this is what uh, the readers are interested in. And this is why these different authors are together on, on, on one blog, because they share a theme. Uh, but uh, the, the idea of, of Several authors on one blog is becoming more and more widespread, and this is now becoming uh, used not just by ordinary people, which is where blogs started, but it's also being used now by big companies, news media as well. Uh, everybody is now doing blogs. This is now becoming like a like a big thing, especially multi-author blogs. Another thing that also was allowed by this. Um, uh, uh, Web 2.0 revolution is that, that blogs allow uh, interaction. They allow users to comment, uh, and uh, they also allow discussion on 
on those blogs. So unlike the uh, web in the 90s where you could read uh, somebody's web page and if you want to respond, the only way was to either complete a, uh, a form or to more, more commonly to send an email to that person. Uh, if there was an email uh, uh, address on the, on the website, now you can actually uh, post a comment on, on, the, on, the, on the blog. It's either moderated or not. Uh, some comments even appear right away, so there is so-called post-moderation. The, 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 the author will delete some of them, but they will uh, not be checked before publishing. So you can actually not just respond to the author, but you yourself as a, as a, as a reader will be read by others who visit the blog. And this is, this is important because this allows for for discussion and interaction. Okay, so we have another another uh, uh, here comment in the chat box. Web point two point means integration of message into other social content areas like Facebook, etc. Indeed, uh, this is another uh, uh, thing that 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 new blogs allow. And this is they're integrated in social networks, meaning that uh, they uh, not just can be shared by uh, uh, through Facebook and, and, and other social networks, but also the commenting and 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 co discussions that t take place on, on on Facebook around those blogs are also integrated in the blog. So it's 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 all interconnected. And this is important because uh, next week when we talk about uh, when we talk about blogging uh, when we talk about uh, organization of campaigns, this actual integration into social networks is going to be very important because uh, there is one thing which is content of the blog or content of the of the website, but there is another thing that is the community around that website, and that community is not just uh, relates to the content and its and its dissemination but also to other activities that can that can be related to that so any uh, anybody here uh, who who has a blog or who has been uh, involved in um, in this sort of activity Yes, we have people who are okay. So we have a lot of bloggers. I, if you if you think you can uh, contribute with the other thoughts about blogging, or maybe some other things that that, that you may have on on mind, you feel free to raise your hand, and this is the the time to to, to do it. Okay, can you hear me? Uh, well, the the. What I, my question was, if, if people have some other thoughts about blogs or blogging or something that comes to mind, this is the, this is the time to say it because we have a lot of experienced bloggers here and so maybe we can share some of the thoughts here. Thank you. Well, this is actually, you know, very, very interesting and I would like this, to, I would like us to continue this on the, on the, on the, on this discussion on the forum because this fits into our larger story about the role of citizen journalists uh, today and uh, how they're replacing 
uh, traditional media. So this is, uh, thank you for this uh, comment, it's very, very informative. Okay, so yeah, we have, we have uh, another, uh, uh, another uh, comment here in the chat box. Uh, I will come to it in a moment. I just wanted to, to, to say about the, the, the uh, previous comment. Uh, most of the, 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 the blogging that takes place is, is uh, uh, about the community and therefore it's, it's, it's not very political because most of the communities are not, are not political. But this community component is actually what is making them, what, what is making uh, blogs very, very important and much more powerful than the than the uh, stuff that was going on on the internet back in the 90s. And the examples that we're going to use later are not going to be very political, but but they're going to show the 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 how should I say how how blogs can actually uh, serve as a, as a platform for for organizing different communities. But let me read the the comment here. When it comes to human rights advocacy blogging, we should make sure about security concerns. So it would be helpful to hear your comments on this issue. This is one of the things that we're going to focus more next week because uh, because uh, this is going to uh, the, the next week is going to be about our organizational considerations and and uh, uh, con security considerations uh, actually fall under under uh, organization of a campaign. But for now, what is important to say, and I think this is going to be uh, uh, more stressed next week, is that it is very important to analyze uh, when it comes to security, to understand what is the goal of security. So the goal of security is to secure the content of communication more than a communication channel. Because if people rely too much on the security of the channel of communication, so inside that channel they try to kind of speak freely and to reveal information that they wouldn't reveal otherwise, there can be trouble when, this, when the security of this channel of communication is breached. So it is always good when we organize a campaign uh, and when we talk about security considerations to analyze and to understand what are the things we need to secure, what is the content that we need to secure, rather than to try to secure communication. So in that sense, when it comes to human rights advocacy blogging, the blog is the uh, face of the human rights campaign that should go out in the open. So the content of the blog should be uh, something that, that uh, anybody could read. So, so nothing on the on the blog should be actually compromising uh, for the for the for the uh, people who en make entries to the blog. Which then means that that the only thing that that the, the people who make entries uh, or blog posts, what the only thing they need to be concerned is about the uh, uh, security of posting. But nobody who is going to read that blog is going to figure out uh, what is, uh, who is behind it or, 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 or what are the uh, uh, sec secure things that, that need to be kept uh, uh, sec secure. 
So, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, next week. So this is, uh, and this goes under security considerations. Let let me now just go back to something we talked about uh, 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 last week, or not last, last week, but actually two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, uh, when we talked about uh, telling stories and uh, actually. Uh, Talking about uh, experiences and, and 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 the human rights issues as uh, as individuals who can uh, tell stories and who can write these stories and put them online. So in blogging, it is important to remember those things that we talked about. When we blog, we need to uh, address the audience and actually answer the questions that they might have. Uh, we need to give them all the necessary information about what we're uh, talking about. So the five W's are worth remembering. In the first paragraph, we need to answer what, who, when, where, and why. We should use the inverted pyramid structure, which means that we're going to put important stuff first on the, on the, in, the, in the beginning of the blog post, and we're not going to bury the lead, meaning that we're not going to have the important stuff uh, hidden somewhere under the uh, second or third paragraph. So uh, this is something that we uh, talked about earlier, and I just want to uh, reiterate that this is actually when it comes to blogging. Blogging is also disseminating news and information, so the, the uh, some standards of of, of news uh, writing and, and news style should be uh, remembered. We next next week uh, we're, when we talk about organization and when we talk about uh, spreading the, 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 the news uh, and spreading the, the entry of, of and blog posts, we're going to be talking about Facebook more and we're going to be talking about different social networks. But there is one a digital tool that is sometimes uh, uh, called a social network, although it's a bit peculiar social network, because uh, it is actually uh, by some other people called a micro micro blogging platform. And uh, so I decided to use the micro blogging uh, definition for Twitter, and I I. I like to call it a microblogging platform. Some other people call it a social network. Yes, I mean, uh, it, is, it is also a social network, but I think that microblogging is, is its uh, most uh, important uh, uh, characteristic. And because you really don't network with the uh, uh, different followers of twi on Twitter as you do with uh, uh, friends on Facebook. It's a completely different uh, way of, of, of communication. I think the, that microblogging is, its, uh, uh, let's say, more correct definition of Twitter. So, so let's look at Twitter as, as a microblogging platform. So Twitter uh, has a limit of 140 characters. Do you know why this limit? came about. Why does Twitter have this limit? Does anybody have an idea? Okay, I don't see any answers. 
Uh, no, no hands are raised. So, okay. So let me let me try to explain. Uh, yeah. So Twitter is a microblogging platform where uh, uh, each user of Twitter has 140 characters to say something and, and post it online. So, so it's a very, uh, how should I say, simple, simple uh, tool. And it became very famous in the last, uh, let's say, five years uh, as, uh, as the way to disseminate inter information. Uh, so there is a 140 characters limit. So you can't write long Twitter posts. You can only write one sentence, practically. And, uh, and uh, so Twitter, Twitter allows uh, only 140 characters because in the, in the days where, when it was uh, created, and that is some six years ago, it was used as a short message system platform where you could actually text your message from your mobile phone and it would appear uh, online on, on Twitter. So this is the reason for this limitation. Uh, it's now there is no need. I mean, even uh, messages on, on mobile phones uh, are actually uh, allowing more text than 160, which was, the, which was the standard at the time. But this limitation remained, and this limitation actually allows you to uh, condense your thoughts in 140 characters. So, so if you are using Twitter to promote uh, your blog post uh, that you created on your own blog, you need to be concerned with the with these limitations, meaning that you have 140 characters, and make sure that your headline of the news fits into 140 characters. This is great for breaking the for breaking news when you have some something really important to to, to share with other people. Then you can use all 140 characters, and this is going to spread. Uh, when you are promoting your blog post using Twitter, that means you need to use you, you need to add a link. Uh, Twitter automatically shortens the link, and its uh, so-called tiny URL it, it shortens to, to to some 10 to 20 uh, characters. But that means that you have uh, less than 120 characters for headline because uh, you need to leave some space for the link. And then if you want to integrate it into existing trends by adding hashtags, that can limit it to one, less than 100 characters. So that means that you need to kind of be very, very uh, uh, careful about uh, when, when you are writing your Twitter posts and when you're using Twitter to to link to your blog post because there is not enough uh, space for you to say a lot. So you need to be really condensed. So uh, we have several comments here and I would like to read them. 
uh, that uh, using hashtags and and uh, uh, at times actually mentions uh, brings more connections uh, in the in in the Twitter. So yes, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that uh, 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 in the next slide. And then there is also the use of abbreviations and creative language uh, to shorten the 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 the, the uh, Twitter uh, posts or or so-called tweets. And so people use uh, number four instead of or they use uh, other ways, uh, letter U instead of Y-O-U, etc., uh, etc. Et but uh, this sometimes creates like a lot of problems uh, for people to, to, to read some, some tweets because there is too much abbreviation. But just keep in mind that, that you know, you're not going to have all 140 characters, so you have to be really careful. Uh, with the with the words that you have, so let me give you an example. For instance, here is a, a a tweet from one of the groups that was active in the campaign that took place in the United States, uh, the presidential campaign, and so they. Uh, uh, this is the group that is uh, trying to get money out of politics. They're trying to actually change the. Uh, campaign laws that uh, that uh, allow big corporations to donate anonymously to political parties, and so their uh, hashtag, as you can see it here, let me now. Oops. So their hash hashtag is get money out. So they use it constantly as a as a as a hashtag. So people who are interested in, in, in their activities, they, they will just put that. So so they already spend uh, 12 characters on the hashtag. So they have uh, less characters to, for that. So then they also have a, a tiny URL. This is the the link that actually takes you to the, to the blog post that you might want to read. So that's another 14 characters. Then they're actually giving the credit to the person who actually wrote it. So that's another 12 characters, which actually leaves them with some 90 characters, uh, which is the headline of the of the blog post, which reads, it's wrong to think big money lost last night. It's not about the spending, but the giving. And uh, the, the, the blog post they're linking to actually explains that now that uh, Mitt Romney lost the elections as somebody who was backed by by very rich uh, campaign donors doesn't mean that the battle for uh, reforming uh, financing of political campaigns is over but they actually should keep on uh, keep on uh, fighting so you can see in this in this uh, 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 example that Almost a third of the of the of the tweets is actually lost to either credit or hashtag or or a link. So there is only two thirds left for uh, for the headline, which is the something that is going to draw attention of people. And then if their attention is drawn, they're going to be they're going to click on the link and go and read 
what what is linked. Uh, the most successful uh, tweets actually have either a link or a, or a photo attached or a, or or a video clip or something, it, unless they are really they, they really possess breaking news or very important information. So. So the, 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 this microblogging uh, platform is actually good for dragging people's attention and then uh, sending them somewhere somewhere else. Uh, I'm not going to spend more time on Twitter. Uh, one of the things in the reading list that you will find in the syllabus is uh, a very good, uh, uh, very good uh, text on Twitter. And also there is one uh, on Facebook, and th both of them are really good. How to use Twitter and Facebook for for uh, how activists can use Twitter and Facebook for the human rights advocacy campaigns, and I encourage you to read those because they're they're really good. Uh, especially now that we're talking about Twitter, I encourage you to read this one uh, on on Twitter. But you can find it in the in the syllabus, and it's on Tavana's library. Uh, okay, so are there any thoughts about Twitter before we go into the into the uh, next uh, next segment of our story about digital tools? I guess nobody has any questions. Okay, or thoughts? Okay, so we're gonna go now to the next. Uh, okay, uh, how is the efficiency? Uh, I'm not sure that I understand the the question, but you will you can actually no yeah well i am uh, yeah the uh, what is the efficiency of twitter in 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 iran uh it's actually uh twitter is not something uh yes the iranians do not use it that much twitter is not something that that uh, is the the basis of 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 one's activity this is a, a, just one way to promote the material of the of the of the blog posts and and things that you that you do elsewhere and and one of the things that the campaign could have uh, without much uh, how shall I say uh, investment this is not something that that requires a lot of a lot of investment it's a, a one way to to uh, promote that material so this is why this is why I cover it there is a lot of hype about Twitter and that, you know, there is also during the Moldovan uh, uh, unrest after the elections over there, it was even called the Twitter revolution, you know, and then this Twitter revolution actually was uh, later uh, applied, this name was applied to some other uh, uprisings, maybe even to to uh, the Green Movement in Iran, I'm sure somebody called that Twitter revolution. but. Uh, Twitter is by no means uh, uh, important in a way that uh, uh, it is defining the, the online activities of a campaign. But I just use it as a as an example for um, that can of of a platform that can be used to promote uh, uh, the content of your blog post. And uh, so, the blog posts that we are talking that we were talking about before are actually more important than 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 Twitter promotion. 
So, yeah, let's uh, uh, let's move to the next uh, something actually that is much more important. Okay, and <laughs> that is photo. Uh, this is uh, one thing that 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 a lot of people uh, use, and there are even blogs called photo blogs where uh, the main uh, content of the blogs are actually a series of photographs. And the people, some people use photos to uh, spread the, their message and to tell their story. Uh, in some other blogs, photos are actually uh, combined with text, and they, this is a much more common thing. And uh, this, these photos are used to complement the text and to add some flavor to the text. And I would like to spend some time talking about photos because I believe that the photos as well as video are not uh, used enough by uh, different bloggers and different uh, uh, people who are actually posting things online. And when they are uh, using photos, the, 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 the problem is that they're not using them in the most efficient and uh, optimal way. So, it is said that picture is worth a thousand words, and that if you can have one picture, it's uh, actually it will tell more than than paragraphs and paragraphs of of text. So, what does that mean for a for a blog post? When you are having a blog post, you definitely should have one image which tells the story. That means that you know when you write a blog post. You should have one image which actually will be connected to the text that that, that is written. If you are uh, writing a profile of a person, then you can have a photo of that person. If you are writing a report about an event, you should have a photo from that event. If you're talking about um, a, a, a problem, social problem, political problem, uh, uh, environmental problem, you should have a photo that actually shows how that problem looks like in the in reality. So this is this is one thing. Another thing is, you know, uh, uh, you can also have some 10 to 15 photos. Sometimes it's five photos. It's really not uh, the number is not that important. Is um, these are the photos that actually can be used for a slideshow on the blog or photo gallery, which means that these are the, 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 the photos that are going to tell the story in a more detailed way. This is not, uh, of course, uh, necessary. Uh, I would, you know, uh, say that the one image which tells the story is necessary, and uh, the 10 to 15 photos for a slideshow are not necessary, but they can really be helpful because they can uh, keep the people interested in, in 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 what you are writing on your blog. So these photos are great for blogs, but they're also great for Facebook. And the reason why they're good for Facebook, <coughs> I'm sorry, is because it, it, it is uh, among the things that are most widely shared by Facebook uh, users are photos. This is more. Uh, often shared than uh, notes on Facebook, than videos on Facebook, or uh, statuses of, of, of different uh, uh, 
Facebook users. So photos, if you want something that is going to be shared by other people, there is a higher chance that, that, that this is going to be a photo than anything else, or a picture in general, because it doesn't need to be a photograph. So, so there, is a, there is a reason why one should uh, spend some time making photos and uh, putting them online, or, you know, using photos that somebody else made and putting them online. So when we talk about making photos, if we're talking about event or a problem that we want to illustrate with photographs, we are talking about different images uh, that need to be created. So we need to have a, if it's an event, we have to have a overall wide picture of that e event, but also a variety of details, uh, portraits, people standing next to each other or talking to each other or whatever the event is about, wide shots, tight shots, you know, different uh, uh, different things covered in these in these images, and so also you know this should mix higher uh, from higher uh, photos taken from higher position, lower position, photos taken closer to the subject, further from the subject, etc., etc. And that and it is you know if you want to have like ten pictures in the slideshow, that means that you are probably going to make one hundred uh, photos to have like good good ten good ten pictures. But if you want to have only that one picture for the blog post, that means that you're gonna be picking from around ten possible candidates for that one picture that tells the story. So this is just a rule of thumb. You may you may wanna uh look at that uh from that point of view. The thing is that, you know, I wouldn't be talking about this ten years ago because uh, 10 years ago, before widely used uh, digital cameras and cell phones that, that, that have cameras, uh, uh, it, it, this was just the stuff for photographers. Nobody could afford to make 100 photographs. Uh, uh, now, it's not really a problem. You know, it's just a matter of time, but the equipment is not uh, a problem anymore. And so there is no need to develop film, there is no need to do any of that stuff. So, so what are we talking about? We're talking about decent photos. We, as I said, you know, we can all now be photographers, you know, because the equipment is not a problem anymore. But it's really difficult to make really good photos, you know. We shouldn't be trying to make photographs that will match photographs made by professional photographers, you know, and so it's because it's difficult to make good photos. You need a lot of, you know, training experience, you need to have that hunch, you know, and not, not all of us have that. that, that's normal. And it's so easy to make awful photos. So we, we've seen, you know, looking on the internet, there are like tons and tons of really terrible photographs. But it's also easy to make decent photos. And we're going to talk about a few tricks and tips how to make decent photos. So there is no need for us to be great photographers, but let us be decent photographers and our photos will, will tell a story together with our uh, blogs that we are, that we are uh, writing. So <clears throat> I'm going to use several examples now. And uh, we're going to see what 
what is the difference between an awful photo and a decent photo. We're not going to be showing any great photos because all these photos that I'm going to be showing were made by, uh, let's say, citizen journalists. These are not, these are not professional. These are not professional photos. So let's go to the first, to the first photograph. So can, do you guys have an idea of what is going on here in this photograph? Does anybody have a, have an idea? You can raise your hand and, and answer, or you can put it in a in, in a in a chat box. Okay, we have a. Okay, yeah, indeed, uh, that, that that is the correct answer. But it looks I I can hear like also read in the chat box. It looks like a, a, a construction site, but involves killing trees. But it also looks like heavy removing heavy snow from the street. This is uh, an example of a, of, a, of, a, of a bad composition of a photo that doesn't exactly tell the, 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 the story what is going on. But let's look at the, the next photo. And uh, let's see. Any ideas what this picture is about? Thank you. That's true. I mean, now we can see that these people are actually protesting the, 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 the cutting of trees, and uh, it, this is the photo that took, that was taken at the same spot w with the previous photo, not at the same time exactly, but just changing the 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 position from which the photo was taken actually changed changed a lot. Here, lots of people are uh, uh, showing their backs to the camera, so you don't even know. What they're uh, what they're doing, you can't see actually that that, that they're protesting. It's very difficult to say that. The, the the tree stump is not clearly visible. You really need to kind of just look at what what is this guy standing on, and then you will see that it's probably a tree stump. But but it's actually very very difficult to to figure out what is going on here. It's a completely different different thing. Here, the tree stump is clearly in the in the picture. You can see it. It's um, how shall I say, uh, very visible. Here it is. You can see the people looking at it at the tree stump. At the tree stump, these people are looking at it, and you can see that this is the problem. They are actually directing your attention to the to the problem because they're looking at it. But you can also see that these are not just bystanders because of this. You can see that this woman is holding the sign, probably protesting, although, you know, this is a, this is not a language that you can read, but still, you know, it's obvious that, that this is a, a, a protest against what is going on in the picture here, which is cutting of trees. So, Okay, so if you take time to take, to take a photo, at least make sure your message is in the photo. This is one of the comments here. You can also see that they're environmentalists from the pins on their shirts and the way they are dressed. Sorry to stereotype. Well, indeed, <laughs> this is this is true, and uh, there is a, a bit of a stereotyping here. But the the 
the the idea of this photo is actually uh, to show the same event from two angles where one is clear and one is not. And the only thing that, that is different is uh, the position of a photographer and uh, the fact that he actually decided to stand in front of those people actually changed changed uh, everything. So this was uh, one example. Let's go to the next example. So what do you think this is? Any, any thoughts, any ideas what this might be? No idea, indeed. The root of the old tree, indeed. This is the root of the old tree. Uh, after they cut the, the, the trees, they actually had to uh, uproot the, 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 the trees. And they had to actually go in and dig everything out of the ground. So this photographer came actually too late. So the only thing he found, because they removed the trunk of the tree and they removed uh, all the equipment and everything, so the only thing that, 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 that even the, the environmentalist left uh, the scene, so the only thing that, that, was, that was there was, uh, 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 the only thing that he found was the root of the old tree. So he took a photo of that and posted on his, on, on his blog. And so this was just a, a terrible, terrible timing because just at looking at this photo, you don't know what is it about. This root of this tree is so cut in little pieces that it doesn't even look like a tree. So bad timing is uh, is another another thing uh, that we should. As uh, one of the comments here says, the reason we know this is the root of the old tree is because we've seen the previous photo. Otherwise, it wouldn't be easy to tell this exactly. But look at this one. This now has a totally different, uh, uh, this is totally different. This is a photographer who actually came there right after the, the tree was cut. And so there is a, uh, there is a photo of, of these people cutting the tree. And uh, actually, they just cut the tree. The guy already still has a, a chainsaw in his, uh, in his arm. So this is a, this is an example of good timing, and uh, so there is even an example. Yeah, nothing to nothing to be proud, but of, of but he looks very proud. Well, yeah, indeed, this is this is this picture actually here actually has so many uh, things uh, that are that are interesting. Not just that this guy looks uh, very proud, but also. As you can see, there is a. He's he's very he's very proud, indeed. But it's also very funny that this sign here in the back says "Oops," <laughs> which is kind of ironic, <laughs> because this this is you know like almost as if this woman is saying, "Oh my God, look what they did." <laughs> yeah, but but let's look at the next picture. This is perfect timing. So this is uh, a, a, a photographer who actually came right when they were as they were cutting the tree. So he even has the picture of this guy 
with a chainsaw cutting the tree and these couple of guys pulling the tree so it falls down. So if you compare these two photos, this one and this one, which one do you think is more dramatic? So any thoughts? Second, okay. First, second. Okay, some, we have a disagreement here, so no, no, but we don't have, we don't have a consensus on, on this. And this is exactly what I wanted to point out. So, the fact that, that, that this photo should be about cutting trees doesn't need to, that you need to have perfect timing, because in some, uh, situations. You may feel that this uh, photo, a photo that was taken after the, the, the event took place, actually has more interesting information uh, or maybe has a more, how shall I say, is going to uh, move more people or is going to have much bigger effect, although it doesn't, it doesn't show the, the event itself. And Sometimes you may you may think that, that that showing the event as it is happening is going to be most important. But in order to 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 be able to do that, you need to take all these photos, meaning that you need to be there as the event is happening. You need to be there after the event is happening. You need to cover uh, different parts of the event because. That is going to allow you to to uh, pick the right photo for for the blog. If we are talking about that one photo that is going to tell the story, if we are talking about the gallery of photos, that means that you know a lot of snapping uh, and uh, photos needs to needs to take place. But there is also a situation where you don't. Uh, you don't have any photos. So what, what, what do you do when you just miss the whole event and you want to write a blog post but there are no photos about the event? What do you, do you drop the idea of, of, of photos at all or do you do something else? Any, any thoughts? Any ideas? What do you do if you don't have any footage from the, from the, from the event that you want to talk about? Let's say the, the trees were cut the trunks were removed, and you want to write a blog post about that, but 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 there is no photograph about that. Nobody nobody did any visuals. Yes, you can write the blog post. You can have reports from witnesses and and everything. But what do you do about the visuals? What do you do if you don't have a? You can ask a friend to draw it, or find a picture from a similar situation. Indeed, these are the things that. Uh, uh, that, that, that you may do. These are the, so you need to find a replacement because it's always good to have a photo even if you don't have a, it's always good to have a visual even if you don't have a photo from this event. And so let me share you one example from this particular incident, the cutting of trees. And this is one of the replacements for uh, a blog that, uh, of a guy who didn't have photos from the event. So, he took a picture of a guy with a chainsaw and put the head of a mayor on on the body of the guy with the chainsaw so uh, so that uh, the mayor 
actually of, of is is uh, having a chainsaw. So so this is a way to overcome the the lack of of, of visuals or lack of photos from the site. And this can actually turn out to be very viral and very interesting and some people uh, uh, might use, uh, you know, might share it just because they don't like the mayor or because they think it's funny or or for whatever reason. But it actually connects uh, the whole cutting of trees much large story, meaning who is responsible for this, the mayor of the of the of the town so this is uh just to say that you know if you don't have photos from the event that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have visuals on your blog there are ways to overcome that either by the use of photoshop or if you have a friend who knows how to draw then uh, uh you can ask him to to, or her to draw something. Okay, so we have to run uh, because we're, we have 20 more minutes till the end of this uh, session. So when you're out there making photos, how do you determine whether a photo is going to be good or not? First, you know, just make sure that everything in the photo is uh, visible so that people can tell from the photo what is going on which we saw in the in the first uh, two examples where we showed showed composition but there is also one and, and also good timing is also important but there is also one other thing that is um, that is very helpful it's the rule of thumb that that photographers use and this is the so-called rule of thirds so when you're when you're making a photo, or the same applies for video, but but that's that's another that's another story. Uh, imagine two vertical and two horizontal lines dividing the picture in 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 segments. There are three horizontal segments and three uh, vertical segments. So what is uh, important here is that when you are putting things on the uh, in the picture, they should actually be around these these lines. So, if you're having uh, two people, they should actually be standing here and here around the. And if you're having a, a, a horizon in the back, the horizon should be either here or here, you know. But it's the the worst thing you can do is actually have something like this. And uh, and the horizon in the middle. It's it's such a bad uh, such a bad composition, and it's not uh, 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 it's not aesthetic as this one. Or if you don't, you know. But but these these kind of uh, imaginary lines can actually help you help you. I'm sorry. They can help you actually make decent photos. Not great photos, but but they're they're gonna they're gonna look appealing, much more appealing than the than the ones that that, that don't uh, that don't follow this rule of thirds. So whenever you're making a photo, before taking the snap, just imagine two vertical, two horizontal lines, and try to shift your camera a little bit 
so that, that it, it complies. So that goes together with good timing, with good composition, and uh, uh, of, of, the, of the photo that shows actually what is going on. So let's look at these two, uh, these two um, events, or actually these two photos of the same event. So the first one, we can say that, you know, these are the horizontal and vertical lines. Or, alternatively, we can even say that, uh, let's say that these are the two vertical lines here. These three, and the, but whatever we pick as a vertical line here is not really uh, positioned well. So this is why this this photo doesn't look very, very good. But if we look at this one, here we can see that actually it's, 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 it's different. We have the two vertical lines following these two uh, women, uh, and we have the, 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 the tree stump uh, that fell off right over here. We have the, 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 the sign over here. The face is over here. So the sign is over here, tree stump is over here, another face is over here. So it's much more, uh, the composition of this photo is actually much more appealing to the eye. And it's a very simple trick. It doesn't require any, any great photographic skill. So anybody can, can, can make uh, photos like this. So, so it is important for, for, uh, for uh, uh, good photo to kind of, follow these uh, rule of, uh, so-called rule of thirds. But uh, once again, uh, the most important thing uh, to remember about the photos is that the picture is worth a thousand words. And since we need a few hours of writing to produce 1,000 words when we're talking about blogs, we should also spend enough time making one picture. We don't need to spend hours making one picture, but we should. But we shouldn't actually uh, snap pictures without without preparations. We should actually spend enough time looking at the best uh, uh, place where to where to uh, position ourselves, or what to do, or how to, you know, uh, how to uh, how shall I say, use the environment or whatever we're talking about. Uh, this is this is uh, this is an important uh, uh, thing because pictures can actually be really really powerful uh, for that. This is also important. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it later uh, next week when we talk about organizations. Is that we when we have volunteers that are helping in the campaign, that they know how to how to make. Uh, good uh, material that can be used for the campaign. And this is certainly true uh, for, for pictures. Uh, another thing is videos. And uh, a reason why we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about videos is because this is not a video making school. And we're, it's very difficult, actually, to make uh, videos. And we don't need to know how to make videos in order to make uh, videos. Uh, because we're not going to be making movies anyway. And so to make movies, that requires a lot of, a lot of skill and a lot of uh, education, et cetera, et cetera. But what we witnessed in the last uh, 
several years is that there is a lot of raw footage that is made by citizens. And this is uploaded on YouTube or other uh, other um, uh, social networks. And this is widely viewed and then used by other by other people to make videos. And uh, so the the what what most people should focus on is actually making good raw film, not making a edited film that actually is a complete work, but actually uh, filming something with their cell phone, mobile phone, or a small digital camera, and then putting it online and let others collect that and make uh, edited videos out of that, because that that is a whole other work. Uh, okay, and we have a comment here. If you have good pictures, you can make videos with messages and the slideshow of pictures. That is that is another uh, another thing that that, that that can be used. And thanks for that. This is also uh, a way to overcome uh, how should I say the lack of skill of making videos because the videos are difficult to make. But let's what can we as individuals, as citizens, do to create and upload good quality raw footage? So we're not talking about uh, final form documentary movies. We're not able to do that. But there is something that we can do that is actually going to uh, uh, increase the quality of uploaded content. There are actually only two simple rules for this. And one rule is uh, one needs to hold the, the camera still. Let me grab the camera. Okay, so this is this is a small uh, camera that is used for filming video. So the biggest problem with uh, with uh, many people is called the so-called uncle syndrome, and you can see an uncle at a wedding, which is I'm sure something uh, uh, people. Uh, uh, have witnessed in, or have seen many uh, weddings, and this is uh, probably a guy with a with a with a camera going around and going into your face with the camera and running around and filming everything and you know just going around with the camera. And when you look at that footage later, it, you're rather busy because everything is moving like crazy, you know. So the first good, first uh, simple rule of uh, filming is actually to keep the camera still. So you hold the camera and just keep it focused or positioned on what you are filming. So you're not moving it, you're just keeping it there. And you have a very still shot. So what is moving is actually the subject of filming. And that subject is moving in the camera, either talking or doing something or whatever. But the camera is not moving. So the, the camera needs to be still. So this is the first simple rule of good quality raw footage. So avoid the uncle syndrome, or the, the camera that moves around and creates this totally dizzy uh, uh, feeling. Another thing, uh, that another rule is that Shots need to be very long, meaning that you may feel that after three or four seconds of shooting, you had enough. But actually, it is much better to hold a much longer shot. And these shots are usually 
10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, sometimes even a minute. Because the, the longer the shot, the easier is later to edit and to take something out of it. Because this is, this is uh, usually a, a, a big problem of, of, of people who are uh, doing uh, editing later, is they don't have enough material uh, to cut because the, the, the shots are just uh, 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 they're just too short. So let me look at some comments here now and we have to be, we have 10 more minutes. Uh, so we have a question here, what's a good camera? There is no such thing as, 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 as a good camera. Uh, the thing is true for video, for, for, for photographs. You should know your equipment. Whatever camera you have, is it a mobile phone integrated camera? Is it a high-tech camcorder? Or uh, uh, is it a, you know, a very professional camera? It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you know your equipment. And what matters is that you know what your equipment is capable of doing. Meaning that if your equipment can uh, perform in low light, then do low light. If your equipment cannot perform in low light, then don't do low light. Do only uh, uh, things that are happening in broad daylight. But uh, every equipment can produce very good footage. If uh, the, the user, if the, the cameraman knows uh, the, the equipment. And we've seen a lot of examples of of uh, very good, uh, very good uh, cameras uh, producing really bad footage, and, and, and let's say mediocre cameras producing really good footage. And this is because people really learned uh, and knew how to use their cameras. Uh, uh, let's see. Sometimes you are in a situation that if that if they see you have a video camera, they will not let you take the film. So. What I use is a camera that looks like a camera, but has the capability of making a movie. That's a, that's a, very, good, uh, that's a very good trick. There are also uh, mobile phones that, you know, can be used as a, as, a, as a film camera and can be really very discreet, and you can actually um, use them. Uh, I uh, remember when uh, we were fighting uh, against Milosevic back in the 90s, uh, one of, of our comrades was uh, arrested and put in jail. And uh, one of the people managed to smuggle him. Uh, uh, he, he went to visit him as a, let's say, regular, regular visit to prisoners. And he managed to smuggle in a very small camera. So this was the late 90s. So this... This was a relatively big handy cam. But he managed to smuggle, smuggle it in, and he actually managed to interview this guy, although he was in, in jail. And he managed to smuggle out the camera, and this, this very short in video interview became a really big hit, because uh, this is for the first time we heard from this guy who was, uh, who was arrested and, and, and beaten up, and he, he was in jail uh, for... for, for uh, for such a long time, so so there are ways for people to to kind of uh, uh, especially with today's equipment that is relatively relatively small and, and easy to conceal. There are ways to 
to, to, to hide that. Okay, so we have now a third rule. Zoom, don't uh, zoom or unzoom more and or fast. So the, the, I, I would like to say a few things about zooming. If you can, zoom with your feet because that is, that is much better way to zoom than with the, with the, with the zoom. But sometimes you may need to zoom, especially uh, when we talk about filming uh, repression, uh, especially filming the police brutality from your window or something. It is actually much better not even to stand on the window, but to kind of sit, stand back and zoom in uh, from a distance and try to kind of use the zoom in that, in that particular uh, situation. Because another thing that is important is actually to, to protect yourself. With, the, with your camera and to protect the footage that you created. But as a general uh, uh, rule, zooming, uh, unzooming, any kind of camera move during filming actually is not, uh, is not uh, something that you should use very often. Okay, another comment. iPhone is really the best if you are limited with access or upload time. We have done that. Uh, two, the cell phones can be smuggled in prison and document the abuse of jail personnel. Exactly, this is what, 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 what I just talked about. We managed to smuggle in a handy cam, like a camcorder, like, which was this big. So today, I just, you know, I'm just, it's amazing what, how, how small and compact the new gadgets are and what, what, what can be done with them. Okay, so we are uh, running out of time. I'm going to just briefly mention that there is a lot of other things that can be done online as a, as a, as a part of your campaign. And I'm just going to mention some of these now. We, we, we may want to talk about them in the, on the forum later in the discussion. I'm going to mention infographics. And here we have an example of an infographic uh, which I found on the Internet, which uh, is about digital media in Iran, and uh, infographics are great uh, for uh, presenting uh, data to people in a more, uh, how should I say, engaging way, something that they can much more easily process rather than read about that, for instance. So here you can actually see how the number of uses increased over time in, in, in Iran, and the and uh, the pie comparing non-internet users and internet users. And there are even a few other uh, things here. Which one is the most popular blog network? Which one is the most popular social network, et cetera, et cetera. So this is an infographic from a few years ago that I found on, on, on the internet just to show you an example of, of another way, another visual that can be used, uh, which is not a photo, but, but can be used if you if you have the data and you want to visually represent that data. Uh, then uh, Ushahidi is another uh, platform, and we will we're going to talk a little bit about Ushahidi next week when we talk about organizing. But this is another way to to use the the the, the data. Uh, Ushahidi was used in Kenya after the elections uh, in. Uh, uh, which, which were marked with, with violence and irregularities. So you could actually 
look uh, on the map of Kenya and look at the riots and uh, different kind of incidents, looting, uh, uh, internally displaced people, uh, attacked by government forces, and you can actually uh, go into each region in each town and look at the number of incidents that 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 happened there. So this is another thing that another platform that that is that is great online platform. It's not as widely used as the one that we talked before, but it's also something that can be really helpful. And then there are other things. I mean, there is one thing that I just wanted to you use as a as an example. This is a, a simple text to movie software. <coughs> where you uh, enter text uh, in the in the web-based platform uh, and uh, it turns it into dialogue between animated characters so that you can actually have an animated movie uh, which is uh, containing sentences that that, that 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 you produce so the the web is full of of different uh, different platforms that can be used although as as I said, Twitter, Facebook, blogs, this is the most widely used, and this is why we spend uh, uh, all this time talking about them and only a few minutes talking about these other platforms. But I think we should talk more about Ushahidi, which is, uh, which is something we're going to talk about next week as well when we talk about organizing. Okay, any questions? We have one minute before we end, so I would... Uh, just read one. Wouldn't have been nice if we could have used Ushahidi in Iran in 2009. Uh, yeah, that is that is a very good question. I think we could actually we could talk about it more in the in the forum. Okay, so I wouldn't hold you any longer. But there is a burning question that cannot be answered on the on the forum. I just want to remind you that uh, for next week, oh, for this week, before the next class, uh, we are going to have the, an assignment, which is um, actually not going to be very, uh, something is uh, freezing here, with my, my computer is freezing. So, Based on the messages that, that, that you developed as a part of the campaign, uh, and using the actually the the uh, text that you created a few weeks ago when we talked about telling the story, you can actually make a, a small blog post with images, or create like a infographic if you wish, or even a, a short video if you if you want to go there. But actually use some other means to convey the message that we've been developing uh, before. So, so it can be really anything, a, a slogan, a poster, you know, even music. I just, I just don't want to go into that. Uh, uh, it's just the formulation of the message that we developed in the, in the previous class. And so with that, I will finish with the, for this week and see you on the discussion.